Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. You know, I knew that uh, going to Montana and everything that we did up there was going to take me out of the pulpit for at least three weeks. And then last week, it's a good thing our friend Maury Davis was here because I was probably not recovered enough from that uh, almost 8,000 mile trip to be able to adequately deliver the word of God. So I'm glad to be back in the pulpit. It's been four weeks since I've had the opportunity to speak to you and I've missed it. And I'm glad I'm back today. Proverbs chapter 16. Thank you for the two of you who are also glad. The rest of you get over your mad and get glad. That's all I can say. Proverbs 16 verse 9. The writer said, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. This morning I want to talk to you about our plan, my plan, or God's plan. Because so many times in our lives today, we rest on the first and ignore the second. It's all about what I'd planned. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Anytime I begin talking about God's plan for our lives, I want us to realize that what God has planned for you and me is far greater, far larger, far more important, far more fulfilling and satisfying than anything we could plan for ourselves. You see, our plans are finite. They're limited. And they're limited to the scope of our mind and our ability. But God's plans for us are infinite, unlimited, filled with Holy Spirit, infused with His power, bringing joy and grace and peace and mercy into our hearts as we walk out His plans. I want to challenge you today to recognize that God's plans are far greater than your plans. Can I be real honest with you? In July, almost 10 years ago, July of 2013, I received a call from two of my friends on the same day, the 26th of that month, about this church needing a pastor. We were living in Colorado, living the dream, planned to retire there. I skied 17 times the year before we moved to Tallahassee. It was wonderful. I loved Colorado. And when that call came, I said, no, I'm not going to Florida. We're living the dream right here. We plan, what I said, we plan. Who plans? We plan. I plan. Yvonne planned. We plan to make this our permanent home. We're not going to Florida. But then God began to work on our hearts. And God began to say, it could be I've got something greater for you than simply retiring in Colorado. It could be that you have a skill set that I need you to use to bring hope and relief and recovery. So here we are almost 10 years later. When we came, we had a debt of 13, almost $13.3 million. It was $13,282,000. And I stand here today again to be able to say to you, when the sale of this building closes for the first time in 19 years, this church will be debt-free. Hallelujah. 
Joe and Murdy Mott, we went to lunch with them about a month ago before we went through Montana. And Murdy was telling me a story she had heard on a podcast that 95% of what we can do, anybody can do. But 5% of what we do, only we can do. And she looked at me and said, your 5% was to bring this church out of that burden of debt into the liberty of freedom to be able to serve God fully. So is your 5% completed? That was her question. I don't think it is. Maybe you think it is, but I don't think it is. I think God has great things in store for us. I think that when that burden, that millstone is lifted, we will move forward with rejoicing, see the power of God move in a wonderful way, be able to use the finances and the resources to expand the kingdom rather than pay for a facility. Someone said, well, where are we going to go when we leave this place? I don't know. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And in God's plan, we never see the big picture. We see the next step. And as we take the next step, then the next one opens before us. And the more we follow him, the more light we receive. And the greater that vision of what he's going to do will become. You see, I had a plan when I came here. And I had a plan that would pay off the debt in five years. But that wasn't God's plan. Because there was a lot of things God had to do in this church before his plan could be accomplished. There was a lot of people who were working by their plan, not God's plan. I had a man come in and sit down one day and he said, so tell me, what is your five-year plan? What is your 10-year plan? What is your 15-year plan? I said, my plan is one thing, and that's to follow God. Well, that's no plan at all. Well, from your perspective, that's right. But from the perspective of heaven, that's exactly what God wants us to do. So we talk about our plans, and often our plans don't come to pass. Someone said, but no, 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 you're denying Scripture because Psalm 37, 4 says, He will give me the desires of my heart. It does. But read it in context. Because that verse begins with, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Think about that word, delight. What does it mean? It means absolutely a high degree of pressure, satisfaction, gratification. That's what happens when we delight ourselves in the Lord. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord through our relationship with Him, then we see the desires of our heart are birthed in heaven. He gives them to us. So yes, He then does give us the desires of our hearts. Someone said, well, the desire of my heart is to be healthy and wealthy. Well, good for you. Let me know how that works out for you. Because probably at some time in your plan, it's going to be disrailed. Circumstances are going to knock you off the track. And then you're going to blame God because first you didn't delight yourself in the Lord so he could give you the desires of your hearts. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being healthy and wealthy. I hope every one of you achieve and reach that place. But I want you to understand that being healthy and wealthy are not a sign of God's presence in your life. There are evil people who deny God, who are healthy and wealthy. The desires of our heart must come from Him. 
And they come when we delight ourselves in Him. In Him find a high degree of pleasure. In Him find satisfaction. In Him find gratification. You see, when you read that entire chapter, you'll learn one thing, Psalm 37. God is the focus, not your desires. God is the focus, not your dreams. God is the focus, not your plans. So when we delight ourselves in the Lord, He does then give us the desire of our heart because He has birthed those things in us. He has dropped them into our spirit. He said, this is my plan for you, now go walk it out by the power of the Spirit of God. See, if we're going to move from our plans to God's plans, it has to be under the guidance and the power of Holy Spirit. It cannot be done in the flesh. I don't have time to read this, but James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, James said, why are you boasting about what you're going to do tomorrow? You say, we're going to go to this city or that city, build a business, be wealthy. He said, don't you know your life is but a vapor? It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. Folks, can I tell you the life we're living now is not the life we're destined to live? The life we're destined to live is in heaven with God the Father, where we will live forever and ever and ever. This life has an ending point, but that life never ends. This life is a vapor, a puff of smoke, a wisp. It's here and then it's gone. But we should rather say, James said, if God wills. In other words, put God's plan ahead of our plan and follow God's plan for our life. See, I want you to understand that God's plan for you was established before you were ever born. Well, I don't believe that. That's not true. Of course it's true. The Scripture validates that exact premise, that before you were born, God had a plan for you. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, and I'm reading from the Amplified, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. Before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. You say, well, that was very specific for one person. Well, let's broaden it out a little bit. How about Psalm 139? Have you ever read that entire chapter? You should. Because in it, David says again and again and again, before you knew me, you knitted me in my mother's womb. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you made me for this. Well, somebody needs to catch that today. He made you for what he planned for you. It's time to abandon your plan, find and follow his plan, and see what he made you for. So many believers live in states of dissatisfaction, confusion, chaos, always looking and wanting more. Why? Because we're following our own plan. When we abandon our plan, when we surrender our plan and find God's plan for our life, then we find I was made for this. He knitted me together in my mother's womb before I ever breathed my first breath. He made me for this day and this hour. Oh, come on, folks. That ought to inspire somebody today. You've been wondering why you're here. I'm telling you why you're here. You're here to follow God's plan because God made you for this day and for this hour. Well, that was David. There's no New Testament scripture to support it. Why don't you read the Bible? Because there certainly is. 
Matter of fact, you remember Paul, Saul the persecutor? The guy who was killing Christians? The man who stood by when the first martyr gave his last breath? His name was Saul. God arrested him, stopped him, intervened in his life on the road to Damascus. Turned his life completely around. Do you know what he wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1 verse 15? He said, God called me by his grace and in love. He chose me from my mother's womb. What was he saying? He's saying, I was made for this. I was off track for a long time. I did a lot of bad things. There are things I had to ask God and others to forgive me of. But I have put all that behind me. And I'm declaring today to you, Galatians, God made me for this. Find God's plan. In God's plan, you're going to find contentment and peace and satisfaction. You're going to find everything that God has promised to you. But in order to live out God's plan, I'll say it, say it once, I'll say it again. We must have the guidance and the power of Holy Spirit. Because our minds, our emotions, our wills are not capable of absolutely grasping God's plan. It's so much bigger. So much bigger. Why do you think he said in Ephesians, God is able to do exceeding abundantly Above all that you could ask or even begin to think. Because when we tap into God's plan, and we begin walking out God's plan, and we begin dreaming God's dreams, we've got to have something greater than ourselves. We've got to have the power of the Spirit of God to rest upon us, His guidance, to direct our steps and see what He wants to accomplish in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 8 and 9, almost every Christian knows what it says. It's, for by grace are you saved, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But you never read verse 10. And verse 10 ties all that together. Ephesians 2.10 says, and again from the Amplified, we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Did you catch it? He's already made a plan for you before you knew him as your Lord and Savior. Then he recreated you, gave you a new heart, a new spirit, a new life, a new hope and put you on a path to do what He made you to do, to accomplish the things He has already set before you. So many times people hear this kind of a message and they say, you know, I've been asking God what He wants me to do. You know the problem? It's pretty hard to hear the voice of God when you've already decided what you want Him to say. So when you make that decision, you're closing it off. You're not open to his voice. You're not open to listening to him. You're closing it off. It's time for you and I to recognize when we surrender to him and hear his will in our life, then our plans pass away. Psalm 19, or Proverbs 19.21 says, Many plans are in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. That's powerful. Many plans are in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. So my question to you today is, what are you made for? 
Why are you here? What is God wanting to do in your life? I'm talking to you, teenagers. Sit up, be alert, be awake, put your phone down and listen to me. There is a plan for your life that God has for you. You're at a place now where you can determine what that plan is. You can follow him. You can seek him out. You can make mistakes in the process. You still have time to determine God's plan. Some of us look at the timeline of our life and we realize that we're not over the hill. We're on the downward curve. Expiration date is coming up pretty, pretty quickly for some of us. But even in that state, we've got to be able to say, God still has a plan for me. And I'm going to find him and follow him to see that fulfilled. Can I be honest with you? God knew you would be in Tallahassee, Florida on July 9th, 2023. He knew you'd be sitting at All Nations Church or watching this service online. He already prepared for you to hear this message because it's just for you to hear God's plan. Can I challenge you today to begin to say, God, what do you want to do with me? What is your plan for my life? You know, we think, we think we've got it. All we have to do is follow it. And then all of a sudden, somewhere in that process, because we're so fixed on what we've heard and what we think and what we know, we miss what God is doing afresh and anew. Can I tell you in the concept of God's plan, it's not a linear thing. It's not a straight line. The Spirit of God blows like the wind. He moves like a river. He is not where He was at yesterday. And if we're going to walk out in His plan, we have got to be pliable enough, soft enough, measurable enough, makeable enough to be able to adjust and move where He's going and what He says. Oh, come on, folks, hear me. It's time to know God's plan. Because in God's plan, you'll find everything that is promised to you. When you start following him. So many times we get the big picture of God's plan. And then we forget the daily details. See, God's called me. This is what we say. God's called me to be an evangelist to Africa. God's called me to work with the homeless in Tallahassee. God's called me to visit the sick in the hospital, pray for them, and they shall recover. God's called me. We've got a big picture. But we miss the daily details. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, could it be that you stop at the same coffee shop or convenience store every day, you see the same clerk behind the counter, you always smile, you give them a tip, but you don't do anything to change their life? Could it be that it's time for you to look at the details and say to that person, how are you doing today? What can I do for you? May I pray for you? And begin to express and display your faith in their life because it could be that God puts you in that moment in time that you will be the person who will speak life into a dead situation, who will bring hope where there's hopelessness, who will allow somebody to see there is an answer, there is a way out, and his name is Jesus. Could it be? We forget the daily details. Could it be that that 20-something is lost, hell-bound, drifting, no anchors of any kind in their life, and they're waiting for someone 
to step into the life and say, let me tell you about the rock. Let me tell you about the anchor of your soul. Let me tell you about Jesus. And see them begin to bloom and blossom and open up and receive the promises of a living God. We forget the details. Maybe your car breaks down. None of us like that. But if you're going to drive an automobile, they're going to break down. Just the way it is. The more miles you put on it, the greater the likelihood that at some point something's going to break. And you're stuck on I-10 waiting for a tow truck. And when the tow truck driver comes, you have to get in the cab with him so he can take your car to the mechanic. And you spend 45 minutes in the cab of that truck getting to the mechanic. And you never say a word to him about, how's your life? What are your problems? Can I pray for you? See, we overlook the daily details. Could it be that mechanic who takes care of your car? Needs someone to say to him or her that day, God is the answer. There is a way. They need to see a smile on your face, not a frown. They need to understand that you know this is just a a daily disturbance in your life, but it's there for a reason, and you're going to use it as an opportunity to speak life to them. Well, none of us like this one. The stool backs up. Nothing's draining. There's sewage coming up in the bathroom. So we call the plumber. And he comes out and begins to work to unclog that problem in our pipes. Could it be that that plumber has a clog in his life that only the life of Jesus Christ can bring to him, bring hope and healing and restoration? Oh, folks, don't overlook God's plan in your daily details. Matter of fact, you should pray. God put someone in my path today that I can share life with. Many plans are in a man's mind, but it's the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says it this way. My thoughts or plans are not your thoughts, plans, nor are my, my, your ways, your course of life. My ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Why should we seek God's plan? Because God sees what we don't. God knows what we're still in the dark about. God knows what's happening next week, next month, next year. And if we follow his plans, we're living in that place where we're overshadowed by the Spirit of God. And even when negative or harmful things come to us, we will stand because we're following him. I love the way you're shouting now. Galatians 3, 1 through 3. You know what Paul said? He said, who has bewitched you, O foolish Galatians? Why did he say that? Because they had turned away from the life and the spirit and turned back to following the law. And he went on to say in verse 3 of that passage, Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, that you're now made perfect by the flesh? See, sometimes we start right and then we go wrong. We begin to follow God and God's plan, and then something happens. Life occurs, and we are derailed. We turn the different direction. Jesus said, after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. 
You will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. His plan for you is to make you a witness, a proclaimer, a heralder of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that may occur as you go about your daily life, teaching school or working at the hospital or being a doctor or a nurse or being the mechanic or the plumber or the carpenter. Whatever you're doing, working in retail sales, all of that fleshes out as you follow God's plan. And he puts people in your pathway that you have the opportunity to influence their life. What's it going to take to cause you to follow his plan? For the early church, you know what it took? It took persecution. It took Stephen being stoned before they woke up and recognized God's plan wasn't for them to sit clustered in Jerusalem. His plan that they be dispersed, that they take the message to the nations. But pressure occurred before they were willing to obey that command. What pressures do you need in your life before you turn to him? I'll never forget October 27th of last year. That's the day I had the motorcycle wreck on I-10. After running into that concrete barrier that separates the east and the westbound lanes, and it's a long story, if you want to hear the whole thing, go to the website, it's on the front page, scroll down to, I should be dead. You'll hear the whole story. But in that wreck, I was seriously injured. My good friend right back there, Dr. Nick Kacharis, was at the hospital. He came down to the trauma bay, looked at the CAT scan. I could hardly breathe. And he said, yeah, it was a punctured lung. And then my good friend did a very painful thing to help me heal. He did what he had to do to bring benefit into my life. Sometimes we see pain, we see problems, we see pressure as a negative thing, when in reality, God will use that to benefit your life. God will use that to advance you, to promote you, to move you to the place where you should be. He did that with the New Testament church. Persecution forced them to scatter, to disperse, to go outside of Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the world. They wouldn't have done it if there wasn't pressure. People say, well, that, that can't be God's plan because God is all love and gooiness and fluffy and uh, all that good stuff. Well, he is all that, but he's a whole lot more, too. He's a loving father that knows what's best for you and I, and sometimes we need a little pressure to move us to that place of best. To see what God has in store for me. Nick put a chest tube in to drain the blood that was accumulating in my chest because my lung had been punctured by a broken rib. And I'll never forget the trauma surgeon said, we can do this one or two ways. We can give you a local and put it in or we can put you out. I'm in that trauma bay, been there forever it seems like. And I thought... I'm in so much pain now, it really isn't going to matter. I'm not even going to notice it. That was my plan. And it was wrong. Because when, when Dr. Nick made that incision, the skin was dead. I didn't feel it at all. But when he poked that chest tube in, I came up off of that gurney and no doubt screaming to the top of my lungs. Because it hurt. But it was necessary 
to get me where I needed to go so I could recover, so I could heal and move on to God's best. My friend Maury, last week, I mean, he's been fascinated with the motorcycle wreck. Always wants to talk about it. And I don't mind talking about it. Someone said, don't you have PTSD? No, I don't. Don't you have dreams about it? I do not. Don't you have flashbacks? I don't. God has covered me. He's taken all that away. I'm on the good side right now. I'm not going to live in the bad side. That doesn't mean if you have PTSD that God hasn't done something for you. I'm not meaning to imply that. I'm saying that's what he did for me. I don't have flashbacks. I don't wake up in the night with sweats. I don't have that feeling of pain any longer. Do I remember it? Sure, I remember it. But it doesn't haunt my life. It doesn't control my decisions. Someone said, have you bought another motorcycle? Nope. Are you going to? Waiting to hear from God. Waiting to hear from God. My friend Gary Bird will be here at the end of July in service with us, and Gary's bringing a motorcycle he wants me to keep for a month. I know what he's doing. There's no doubt in my mind what his plan is. But what's God's plan? What's God's plan? What's God's plan? So Maury was talking to me last week, and he said, you know that wreck, and started talking about it again. And he said, you know, in those times, a lot of people ask, why me? And that's exactly what we default to when something bad or negative happens in our life. Why me? And then he said, but you know, wouldn't it be better if we said, why not me? Why not me? And then he looked at me and said, Steve, you're built for this stuff. You can handle the pain. It's not going to stop you or derail you. You should be saying, why not me? So today I've come to tell you, whatever God's plan is, I'm saying, why not me? Don't overlook me. Don't pass me by. Don't set me on the sideline because I'm a wimp. Why not me? Some of you need to get that in your spirit today. Because you have lived your life moaning what's happened throwing pity parties over your situation, saying, why me, why me, why me? No, stop and begin to say, why not me? Because God has made me for this. He's outfitted me, equipped me for this. Every time I look at the scars on my knees and my shoulders, because I left about 10 pounds of flesh on I-70, or I-10, pardon me, I'm reminded of how merciful God is. How good God was to me. And I'm reminded he still has a plan. That was not my time to go. He still has a plan. Oh, come on, folks. When you live in the assurance that you're in God's plan and God is directing and ordaining your life, there is no fear. We are at a motorcycle again. Already have. Already have. I'm not afraid of a motorcycle. Sometimes I'm afraid of the people in the cars. Because some of you all drive really, really bad. So we have to have the power of the Spirit of God operating in us in order for His guidance and His power to direct our lives in God's plan. Without it, we always fail miserably. Always, every single time. 
So I want you to realize today that at this moment, we are closer to the return of Christ than we have been at any moment in history. Matter of fact, it could be that we'll hear a trumpet sound this afternoon, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with those words. It could be today's the day. Could be. And if we really believe that, if we don't just say it, if it's not just a dead doctrine in our book of theology, if we really believe that, then we have to say, God, use me. And that doesn't mean he's sending it Latin America or Africa or Asia or the inner city. It means that he's going to use you right where he planted you to be a light, to share the gospel, to bring hope to the hopeless. You can do it in your job every day. You don't have to change occupations or learn a new skill set. All you have to do is be under the guidance and the power of the Spirit of God. And when opportunity presents, He will give you the words that bring life. Yeah, I knew that wouldn't be very appealing. Nevertheless, it's true. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God in our life, everything we do to proclaim the gospel is in vain. Because it's by the flesh, not by the Spirit. Without the gifts of the Spirit of God and the power of the Spirit of God, our work is just that. Our work. Because His ways, His works are higher than ours. His plan, His thoughts are higher than ours. When we realize the power that's available to us through Holy Spirit to follow God's plan, to learn to trust in Him, then we recognize that every experience of our life is meant to propel us further into His plan. Good or bad, He's going to use it to move us into His plan. Paul said, for this I know, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. All things, that's good and bad alike. Christian life isn't about getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and then never having another problem in your life. Are you kidding me? The minute you invite Christ into your life and He becomes your Lord and Savior, there is a target put on your back and Satan and his emissaries will do everything in their power to derail you, to discourage you, to depress you, to cause you to give up. But this is the good news. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Jesus said, be of good cheer. In this world you will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. Oh, come on, folks, lock into the promise of God. Lock into the plan of God, because when you do, amazing things begin to happen. Miracles begin to occur. People are healed. People are delivered and set free when you flow in the power of the living God. As I finish this message, the Lord spoke very clearly to me about being very transparent today. It's not what I want to do, but it's what I want to do because I'm going to obey Him. Because in the years that I have served the Lord and walked with His Spirit, I've had some major failures. I've had some blowouts. I've had times when I 
chose to do my thing instead of his thing. Let me just give you a few of the mistakes I've made. Number one, pride. It's the thing most of us deal with the most often. I became proud of who I was, what I had learned, how I could deliver the word of God, how lives were touched and changed. I became proud of that. Considered it as my own. And in that pride, I loved hearing people introduce me and say, he's come to share God's word because he is a student of the word of God. I love that. When in reality, I allowed pride to probably cause some hurt in others' life. No doubt about it, it did. Allowed pride to convince me I deserved what I didn't have, and it was okay if I got it. Pride. As I walk through these examples, the Spirit of God is right now speaking to you. He's convicting you. He's telling you this is the day to change. So if you're here this morning and you're dealing with issues of pride, stand right where you're at. Just stand right where you're at. Thank you, sir. Stand right where you're at. Second thing, the failure, the mistake I made was I lost the joy of the Lord. Everything became drudgery. Everything became in my power and in my spirit. The tasks that were in the plan of God for my life became less and less meaningful and more and more difficult. When you lose the joy of the Lord. When you lose the joy of the Lord, things become complicated rather than clear. Things become overwhelming rather than overcoming. When you lose the joy of the Lord, you lose your strength. Third thing is I lost my peace. Jesus said, I give you peace. Peace that no man could give you. I give you peace. I'm talking to you today. Stand right where you're at. Dealing with pride. Dealing with losing the joy of the Lord. You're in a place where you have no peace. And the day-to-day -day trials of life become so overwhelming, you don't know how you will ever cope. So we turn to self-medicating. We turn to... Not just alcohol or illicit drugs, but prescription drugs. Turn to pornography because we have no peace. We're searching for peace. And then I noticed that when I allowed pride to rule my life, and when I lost the joy of the Lord, and when I couldn't find peace any longer, I became less and less trusting of God. More and more suspicious of what he was asking and less and less trusting. And the more I convinced myself I could handle my problems on my own, I didn't need any help. You say, wow, you were a Christian? I was a preacher, a pastor. Failure can hit us many, many times in many, many different ways. But it often starts with pride thinking you deserve something that you don't. See, I've come to tell you, we can't make it as believers without the presence and the Spirit of God. We can't survive as believers. We will never overcome the trials and the temptations without daily being infused 
with the Spirit of God. Read the Scripture. Every time the children of God relied on themselves, they failed. But every time they trusted in the Lord, they conquered. They overcome. So many times we think of the gift of the Holy Spirit as described in Acts 2, 1 through 4 as a one-time momentary event. No, my friend, I've come to tell you it's walking in the power of the Spirit every single day. Tom, come back. It's understanding that without Him, I am nothing. I can do nothing. I will never accomplish anything without Him. But with Him, guiding and directing my life, empowering me, infusing me with joy and peace and hope, then all things become possible in the realm of God's kingdom. Those of you that are standing as Tom begins to sing, step out and come. I'm going to pray for you. If you should have stood, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're living in sin, you're going to hell, step out and come and join these that are coming right now. God wants to touch your life. If you're dealing with pride, if you're dealing with the loss of the joy of the Lord, if you've lost your peace, if you're trusting in yourself more than in God, this message is for you. Step out and come. Doesn't matter if you didn't stand, just step out and come right now. God is speaking to you. Stand with me across the room today. I'm going to pray for each one of these people. If you have one of them, if someone that you love is standing here today, I want you to come and put your hands on their shoulders. We're going to pray for them. We're going to believe God for a miracle in their lives. We're going to ask God to do something mighty and powerful and wonderful in them today. But we'll just sing it out, how great is our God. How great is our God. Begin to worship and magnify His name. Let Him draw you into His presence. Let life bring change. God bring change into you today. Come on, sing it out as we pray. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.